it, can you be um, passionate about talking about a specific set of tools? Absolutely. But if, again, if that's leading the conversation, there's something to be concerned about. It's how are we, how are we thinking about the problems that we're trying to solve and then talk about the tools that we use to solve them. I think that's a very valid and fair conversation. And people that are able to step outside of that and reverse the order, I think, are, are successful. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. I don't know if I mentioned to you yesterday, um, we we're heading up to Connecticut on, on Friday to, mm. to see my brother-in-law. So Suzanne's brother, his family and, and whatnot. So I'm going to work from there for a bit on, on Friday. Uh, right now That'll the plan fun. is, yeah, yeah. The, the plan, I'll send you a picture when I get up there. The, the plan is to pack up the truck Thursday night, get up and be out the door by six. So we're there about nine, nine 30. Um, uh, the kids, uh, my my niece and nephews are are at camp this week, so they're they're not done until three. So we'll go up and we'll see the baby, hang out a bit. I'll get some work done, and then uh, we're going to take everybody. We're going to take all the kids to to a trampoline park in the evening. Awesome, that's awesome, and it coincides with our new uh, integration that, or no, 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 sorry, our new workflow that we enabled for Slack uh, last Friday as our first Friday. Yeah our photo bonding Friday on yeah. Slack. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll share a picture with everybody from, uh, with my work set up from the road. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it. It just, again, it opens up the opportunity that, you know, w- and we're going to come home Saturday night. So then that gives us Sunday to do stuff around here before the next week starts. Yeah. So it, it's nice being able to get up, get, get up there on, on a Friday and still be able to, to get stuff done. And then, and spend time with the family yeah so, so again just another opportunity to 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 split up my time that way yeah so instead because it's normally like a three three and a half hour trip depending upon pit stops mm-hmm. so instead of like leaving friday night and you're not getting there till nine o'clock or so or like the the sunday afternoon traffic around new york is brutal yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll miss that too good times i look forward to seeing the photos from that adventure yeah. So the only thing is, is, you know, we want to make sure we're out the door by, by six, because we're still going to have Friday rush hour traffic. Mm-hmm. And we tried it a couple months ago and we just hit more traffic than we, we expected. The next thing you know, it was like a four hour trip. So mm-hmm. like, we have to be out by six. <laughs> Got to keep everyone to a tight schedule. Yeah. Well, fortunately it's just three of us. Yeah. So yeah. we'll get, we'll have the truck ready to go, get him up and pop him right in the truck and say, let's go. All right, good times. Good times. Yeah. So what's going on with you? I just uh, quickly made and stuffed a deli sandwich in my face. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if people in your uh, 
in your neck of the woods realize what a good uh can i say what a good john you guys have i mean we just don't have a decent deli around here and uh there there are some days where i just have a craving for a good deli sandwich and i and, and look i mean i can go to jimmy john's or jersey mike's and kind of i'll send you more rolls I mean the rolls, the rolls make or break a sandwich. That sandwich, yeah. those rolls were phenomenal. Um, anyway, so yesterday, like last night, I'm like, I, I'm gonna need a sandwich. So I ran to the, I ran to the grocery store, got some rolls. They're they're good. They're not they're not uh, they're not Philly good, but they were they were good. And I got some uh, I got some Italian meats, um, and for me. I mean, the meats are good. Like the the meat selection you you choose is important, but for me, it's the roll, and it's it's the the dressed lettuce on top with the, some lettuce, some red wine vinegar, olive oil, salt and pepper, a little bit of Italian spices. That that makes the sandwich for me. Yeah. So, anyway, I I quickly made one before we started recording, and uh, even without all the prime ingredients was better than anything I could get from any sandwich shop around here. So I feel, I feel good about that. I just wish there was some place I can go and get a really decent sandwich, but sadly, no, no, no. I'm looking something up here. See what I can send you. So I know I could send the rolls I'm trying to see. I'm going to have to look up lunch meats too. See if there's ones that like, you know, they'll ship them out like overnight in the freezer packs. Mm. Bottom line is that. Uh, who are these people? Random salespeople calling me. Um, I just we just we just need to make it out to Philly. I mean, that's yeah. really the that's the right decision to make really yeah because then what we'll do is we'll take you down the writing terminal market like that that's you know it just the is smell that the, is terminal. that the place with the pork and the broccoli rob sandwich one of them yeah but it's it's the place where you walk in and like they're they're making food right there yeah. and like just the smells that come out of there yeah that would be amazing yeah we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out all right we'll figure it out yeah so but you know so our, our obligatory talk about about food mm-hmm. all we well we record around lunchtime right? yeah we do we just so, record around lunchtime so it's, it's you gotta good. maybe we should rename it like lunch <laughs> chat or something like that you know it's it's funny we kind of joke about it but the seed for for this podcast was you know what if like just a few people from you know your industry were sitting around having a meal together, talking shop. What would it sound like? That was kind of the seed for starting yeah. this podcast. <laughs> so I think it's uh, apropos that we, you know, have the the food talk because it really was kind of the thought we had that we were just like, man, this was like such a cool conversation. Like people should hear this. Like just yeah, people listen. Yeah, people will listen. I think, and we're now yeah. like five thousand episodes in or something. So two hundred twenty. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the data is. Um. I was looking up just the data on starting and stopping things the other day, and specifically around businesses. And it's something like fifty percent, maybe slightly less than that, of new businesses fail within the first eighteen to twenty-four months. 
Um, and I have to imagine the failure rate for podcasts is also like, what is it like five or 10 episodes? You lose like the bulk of people that start a podcast. Never make yeah. it past that. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. What they say is like, I mean, there's these hundreds of thousands of podcasts at this point. Mm -hmm. And they're saying like the overwhelming majority don't make it past episode 10. Yeah. That's uh, hard. What, it, it, it's very hard. You have to carve out the time for it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it takes, it, it takes time because also the pe people think that, Oh, I could just create a podcast, put it up in the iTunes directory and in the Google play activity, you know, the Google play directory. And I'll have, joe rogan numbers <laughs> right. almost immediately people are just going to be finding it and downloading it right and it's no it's it, it's consistency you just yeah. got to be pumping out episode after episode and yeah so that, that's the thing is you could look through a lot of those podcasts and a lot of them will stop at right around episode 10 it's it's hard do you think and i'm i'm sure we're going way off topic before even getting into topic but um do you how much of it do you think is uh, having the ability and drive to, to have that consistency versus um, maybe looking too much at the metrics at the start. Because the reason I, I say mm. that is that that's a good question. Um, I, I consistently for, for a couple months, maybe two or three months was making um, review videos for YouTube on uh, instant noodles. And I struggled to get any traction Um you know, my videos were maybe getting 20 or 30 views. I couldn't get over like a couple hundred followers, subscribers. And I gave up because I'm like, no one's, no one's watching this. So it's not worth it. I'm wondering how much of it is you also need to bury your head in the sand for the first little while, which is, I guess, weird coming from data people to say, Hey, we got to use the data to inform what we're doing. But I wonder how much of it is letting that uh, knowing that it's hard to get the momentum, you know, kind of looking at the data too much in the beginning, let it letting it distract you and kill your desire to keep pushing. Um, I, I think that that is definitely a problem. Um, I know when we released our first episode, um, like that week, we got we had five downloads, mm -hmm. and one was me, and one was you, <laughs> and one was probably my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So yeah, it is very easily to get dismayed that you know they, people aren't you aren't getting hundreds or thousands of downloads for an episode immediately. Yeah, but I do think the root of it is the consistency factor. Yeah, you need to be consistent whether it's planning ahead, carving out time to plan out what your topic is going to be, um, whether like, it's not necessarily planning out the full episode but like these are the topics we want to talk about in a particular episode or over a series of episodes and then the consistency in recording it because it is so easy to say i don't i, I just don't have it today to talk about and so i'm going to cancel today and do it tomorrow well then i don't do it tomorrow then i don't do it the next day and next thing you know you've missed a week um and we we take some time off we we re-air old episodes to kind of bring them back up into the the front of people's minds episodes that we think are really, really good. Um, just, you know, take time off during the summer for vacation, take time off around the holidays. Um, that being said, you have to, you really can't get to that point until you have a, 
a nice back catalog of episodes to to go back and reference. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's ultimately the consistency. You have to be prepared to be consistent and carve out time. It just can't be. Well, I'm going to wing it. I'll record next week's episode today, and then next week I'll record the following week's episode mm-hmm. on Wednesday or whatever. Yeah. Like you, you have to make sure you have the time set aside to do it. Totally. Well, I'm I'm amazed at, at how far we've we've come with this, and we don't have hundreds of thousands of downloads an episode. That would be that would be amazing. But we've yeah. grown, we've grown, and definitely appreciate those that that do listen and uh, provide feedback and share. And uh, one of the things that I've learned is that the the metrics around um, who is impacted by your content is usually much smaller than the actual number. Uh, meaning that if you look at interactions and likes and shares and things like that, that it's just the tip of the iceberg of people that are consuming your content and are incredibly moved and find value in it that you never, never hear from. I, I like I it seems to happen all the time where I'll talk to someone like, oh, I've been listening to your podcast for like three years or, you know, I've been and I'm like. I've never once seen you like anything or share anything that we've posted about the podcast. So, you know, anyway, yeah. it doesn't tell the full story. No. Um, but you, you've given me a good segue into, into this week's episode, you know, talk about like, what does it take? Um, you know, you were saying, well, what does it take or what, what prevents someone from, you know, like building a successful podcast today? I want to talk about like, what will make someone successful in digital analytics? So the last couple of weeks, and this is the last episode in this you know short series around like job hunting, recruiting, jobs in digital analytics and, and whatnot. Yep. Um, and we've talked about it before um, with like, you know, in the context of career path, like there's no set defined career path in this industry like there is in, in many, many others, a, a set prescribed um you know, career path. Um, and then the other thing too is, is what I've noticed is, is there are like people with just a ton of different backgrounds, mm-hmm. people coming from, from, from different kinds of like college backgrounds to previous jobs in their career. And it, it makes for a very eclectic industry, you know, a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds. So that being the case, what are some of the common traits that have made these folks with all sorts of different journeys successful. That's a good one. Uh, You know, I think, I think ultimately um, one of the things that has held us back as an industry is that we think that web analytics or digital analytics or marketing analytics or whatever we want to call it is something new and unique, (laughs) Um, which it, it is, it is simply not you know data analytics analyzing things has been around for an incredibly long period of time um and and thinking back on it um i I don't know if i've shared this this story on on a previous podcast or something um and i and i promise that i'm getting to uh getting to what makes these people successful but Mm -hmm. if i if i look back on it um my my grandpa was a uh, analyst um, in a very very different world. Um, so so my my grandpa was an industrial engineer. He worked for a large steel mill, and um, he 
design data collection for the still making process, collected the data, and then analyzed it in order to find out how to optimize each step of the process. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I had spent, I spent a lot of time in the still mill. Um, and uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but, I, but as I got more and more into digital analytics, I'm like, this is literally the same thing. We are designing data collection, we are collecting and storing data, and we are analyzing it in order to make the process more efficient, a better process, you know, better for employees. And that's what he was doing. And that's what we're doing today. It's just, you know, we're sitting at home looking at websites instead of a hot still mill looking at, you know, liquid still being poured into a roller. Um, but it's it's the same thing. And I guess that's a long way of introducing it's this it's this unique uh, passion for understanding how systems work and taking that passion and 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 turning it into a desire to make those systems work better. And really that can be applied anywhere. And so, you know, having, having that as your background is way more important than, do you know how to collect a certain variable or do you know, you know, do you know how to migrate from universal analytics to GA4? <laughs> like all of those things are kind of not very important in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's, it's having that mentality of just having an insane curiosity of how systems work finding out how to collect the data to better understand them and then use that knowledge to optimize those systems. I mean, that's what we do. And, and because of that, I think that's why in this industry we have such an eclectic mix of people. And one of the, I don't, I don't know if we ended up hiring this person or not, but one of the most interesting people um, that I interviewed at a previous company for a role as a, as a web analyst um, had no experience uh, analyzing websites. Um, okay. but I knew would be amazing at the job and her background was in uh, criminal forensics. Like she collected crime data and analyzed crime trends and a uh, nothing to do with web analytics, but that mindset, that mentality of understanding the system, figuring out how to collect data to better understand how to be better in, you know, solving and preventing crimes. Like absolutely can apply to what, what we're doing here. I, we can teach you the tools, you know, you can learn about content square or Adobe Analytics. like, it doesn't matter. It's that mindset and mentality, which is absolutely irreplaceable. So the people that come in tool driven, and I had this conversation the other day with uh, a senior at one of the local universities was kind of asking, well, what tool should I invest in? And what language should I learn R? Should I learn Python? Should I get into data modeling? And I'm like, all really, really important questions, but not the question you should be asking. Like the question you should be asking is what things should I be doing to figure out how to hone my mind to be more analytical, to, to build that desire to better understand systems. Um, that's what you should be thinking about because the people, whether it's this industry or any other analytics related field, the people that ultimately are the most successful it really has very, very little to do with the tools. Yeah, I, I love how you describe that, like understanding systems, because I mean, it, in this space, we often break it down between the technical implementation and then the use of the data being insights, optimization, personalization and whatnot. And so either way, you know, e either either of those two paths are covered 
by by that curiosity That's you know, right. whether it's going to work with the data or, or wiring it up um and i've told this story i haven't told it in a while um so i'm not going to rehash the whole thing but um it's actually funny a couple of weeks ago i was telling a client this because we've just had some new people come into like our weekly our weekly office hours um and it's been a while since i told the story i told the story of how i got started my career overall um <clears throat> Back when I was getting going into college, I, I wanted to work in professional sports. I I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to work for a professional sports team. Um, and I spent a summer interning for a minor league baseball team. And tons of funny stories, one of which, you know, you know, being, you know, uh, you know, having to take my turn as as being the team mascot and whatnot, and realizing I didn't want to necessarily do it. It just it wasn't the right fit. It was it's one thing to be passionate about what you do, enjoy what you do. I just feel sometimes it's not a good idea to make your hobby, your job, mm, mm -hmm. because like you, you end up ruining the hobby. You either yeah. don't succeed in the job or you ruin the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, what, what you use as entertainment. Let me rephrase that. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I ended up pivoting a bit while I was still in college, you know, what, what my degree and focus was, and then got involved with this small software company in the Philadelphia area you know, working, you know, building a system for, um, investment companies for, to handle their SEC reporting. And I got involved in implementing that at one point ran the implementation team and, and all of that. And it was all ultimately something that gave me the ability to pivot to digital analytics back in 2009. Um, so that, that was the quick little elevator speech. And I was thinking that, that whole journey through when you were talking about like just understanding systems, how to connect them and, and whatnot. And cause you know, like understanding whether it would be that, that particular tool or web analytics tool, the same approach, the same approach to understanding, learning and ultimately designing a solution is the same. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and I agree. And, uh, you know, I think we, we definitely, whether we we clearly articulate that or not, buy into that approach and, and mentality, and I think so much so that I I sometimes get offended when talking to people when they say oh, and it's usually more I guess hardcore data scientists that tend to be like this when when I have a conversation with them oh you're just a web analyst you just you just deal with web data, and I'm like I mean what what's your point like yes that's that's the data that we deal with but that 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 isn't that isn't to say that we aren't pure analysts at heart that we don't understand and put the bulk of our focus into understanding the system and how to measure it and how to optimize it and you could stick us in any situation you know you could put us in a theme park and we can measure data from uh from from the what is it those the wristbands that you wear that collect data about where you move through the park um is it an old Paco Underhill book where he where he talks about um, the the old the old days back in my day uh, of uh, grocery store analytics and shopping analytics where they would literally put people in a store um, to count people coming in and then literally stealthily follow them around as they were shopping and collect data on what they were looking at what they'd pick up what they'd put back I'm like that's that we're doing the again. It doesn't matter if we're in a steel mill or in a grocery store or in a theme park. 
it's all the same thing. These are all systems that we're trying to better understand and and optimize. So I get I get a little bit offended when people say, "Oh, you're just a web analyst. You just you only deal with web data." It's like we don't really care what the data is, <laughs> you know. And and again, I think go it goes back to your original question, like what skills, what makes people successful, what do they have in common? It's that it isn't about web, it isn't about kiosks, it isn't about mobile. It's about this fundamental desire to better understand systems. And, and, and ultimately, too, it, it's, to, and you mentioned it, it, it's not about the tool either. Because when you focus on the data, the tool becomes irrelevant for you know, pretty much. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. And, the, you know, there'll be people that are hardcore, you know, um, hardcore evangelists of one tool or another yes there's there are the the nuances between tool over tool but ultimately when you become focused on the data the tool becomes irrelevant yeah and i think that that's another good point around what makes makes people successful is that their lack of focus on a tool has actually made them more experts with tools if that makes sense, meaning that as as someone looking more at it from a pure analytics perspective, they actually end up knowing how to master many, many tools. And um, that experience and that knowledge allows them to pick the right tool for the right job, the right solution. And, and for those that are really preaching the tool first approach, it goes back to the adage of, what is it like to, to a hammer? Everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the trap, but the, the funny thing about it is when you, when you deprioritize the tool, when you say the tool isn't important, you actually end up becoming an expert on the tool without even making that your focus. It's kind of like, uh, what's we, we've talked about this. It's like the sports analogy where, um, you're in the zone, you know, like you're playing basketball and the hoop looks like it's the size of a size of a swimming pool or you're playing football and everything slows down to like super slow speed. Like once you stop focusing on it, like the very thing becomes so much easier, easier to grasp. So I don't want people walking away saying, Oh, well, Oh, well, Jim said we don't have to learn SQL or Jason said, it's not important for us to learn math and be able to do statistics. I'm not saying that I'm saying, I'm saying that when your focus is on what you're trying to solve for, all of those components that add, add into it, whether it's frameworks around uh, different measurement techniques or it's specific tools that you use, um, once you take the focus off those, you're able to then leverage those to their full ability almost without even trying. Yeah. And if anything, I'll, I'll go the opposite you know, direction I'm not in opposite direction. That's not the right thing to say. But I'll say this: like, if there is somebody that is always hardcore recommending one particular tool, you need to ask why. There's what is their ulterior motive? Yeah. <laughs> well, we know what their ulterior motive is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing: is pe- people people don't think that. Uh, yeah. You know, people don't think about that. That in so many spaces out there you uh you know like there, there are there are kickbacks and digital analytics is no different there are kickbacks for 
recommending a particular tool or vendor. It's, it's a secondary income stream for many agencies and companies out there. Yeah. And, and again, those conversations should be a result and not the reason why things are done. Because I, I, I mean, I do think that there are people sharing knowledge and insights about specific tools and platforms and techniques, but that isn't their desire, right? Their desire is to showcase and help people do their job better. They just happen to be, you know, showing this specific solution or this specific tool and people can read that. People know that it comes off as authentic, but going back to the, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You can absolutely spot when this is happening. I know you're not as active on social media, but I see this happening on social media and I am not going to name the company, but there is a specific company right now. Well, there's two of them actually um, that come top of mind and I'm not going to name either one of them, but they are very active on social media and they're monitoring conversations that are happening in the analytics space. And every one of these conversations they're jumping into is say, you all, you know, who has the right solution for that? Company X, which is the company that, you know, I work for that, you know, I'm a preferred partner of, um, people can see right through it, right? Like, okay, like maybe one in 10, you're the right, but you're not the right solution for every single problem. And so you can tell when people are talking about tools and solutions and things, and they're doing it from a place of authenticity, because that's the tool that they've used to solve a specific problem. You know that it's just part of the larger story and it helps you understand more how these uh, problems are solved. When the the tool or the solution is the driving reason why you're having the conversation, people cut through the BS and says, eh, they're just, you know, they're just, they're just pitching a product because it's what they're getting paid to pitch. You know, people, people are very perceptive when it comes to that. Yeah. Especially at, at this point where like this industry isn't as young as it used to be. At this point, the people that have been around for a while have a track record. So you know the ones that have been talking with a specific tone for a while. And yes, it's easy to point out others who quickly change their opinion. Yeah, uh, it, you know, it becomes obvious when they change their opinion or they change their position on something. You know, like we, we talk about it before, like you and I go after sales all the time. We know salespeople that <laughs> when they're with one company, it's like this tool is the greatest thing ever. Everybody needs to buy it. And then after about two years, they'll move on to a new company and you hear this tool is the greatest tool ever. You hear the same thing, just you know, swap out. And the, oh, by the way, that other the, tool I used to talk about sucks. It always sucked. It always <laughs> sucked. Yeah. I mean, I just I, I had to bite my tongue. Yeah. With certain things with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we kind of got sidetracked there with that one, but no, yeah. no, no, it's. But I mean, it's it, it it's true though, because that that's the thing. Like you know, the, those that as I've looked, as as I as I think back, as I look back, those that I see as successful are the ones that maybe they did come into the industry working with one particular tool or vendor, but you see that you know that they've broadened their approach mm -hmm. and. Anytime I've worked with them, they look at it from a vendor agnostic perspective. Mm -hmm. um, whereas those that you could tell, like there's, there's an ulterior motive. It's always about one particular vendor. Yeah. And that's no, the one that's thing. A great that, point. 
and it's as I've yeah, you know, like I said, like I I started my career elsewhere, pivoted to this, you know, to this industry about thirteen years ago, and yeah, for the for a while, like I was hardcore one particular vendor, and then it was just like you you reach this point of maturity where it's like no, it, it, you you want to be vendor agnostic, mm-hmm. you need to be vendor agnostic because for one reason or another, you don't always want to hit your wagon to one particular vendor, whether that's if you're a consultant, always pitching the same one because things may change. Mm -hmm. But then also as part of your organization, making sure that you're able to be as vendor agnostic as possible. And it's very hard these days um, because the organization needs may change and a particular vendor may no longer suit it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a a great point and is, it is a, a very, a uh, strong piece of of what makes people successful in this role is one. I, I I love the you know your your journey because being open to being it's not right or wrong. Being open to reevaluate how you view things is is critically, especially as an analyst. You know, uh, our our job really is to remain um, to remain curious and not not go into something with the firm belief of this is the way it has to be and and unfortunately a, a lot in this field take that approach of well if you know if we implement this tool then we're going to be successful well no not necessarily right have people done it absolutely it, can you be um passionate about talking about a specific set of tools absolutely but if again, if that's leading the conversation, there's something to be concerned about. It's how are we how are we thinking about the problems that we're trying to solve, and then talk about the tools that we use to solve them. I think that's a very valid and fair conversation. And people that are able to step outside of that and reverse the order, I think, are, are successful. And and to the opposite of that, we we've actually seen it. I've actually seen. In very, very large companies, naming the roles and the teams after vendors. Have, have you seen this happen? I've absolutely seen this. Like what kind of what kind of message are you are we sending? Like how we're we're setting it up that unless unless we're always in this ecosystem, then we, we have to always be in this ecosystem or we can't be successful. Like I saw someone that was hired as a optimizely specialist two or something. I'm like, well, what happens if you change out your testing tools? This person get fired or they're no longer as valuable. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> but it's, it's happened more than once. So again, I don't want this to come across that tools aren't important. They are, but they're, 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 there are things that you select as an expert based on your knowledge of the problems that you're solving. And and again, I don't want to say it for too many times because this is the third time, but if you're an optimize, if you're an optimizely specialist, then every problem that you're going to solve in your job is going to be optimizely. Everything's going to look like a nail, right? So we, we need to abstract ourselves a level from the tool and then be able to use our experience and expertise to select the right tools for the right jobs. There are very few in our industry that do that, but the ones that do are, are kicking some serious ass. Well, think about it this way. Here's a good visual. When's the last time you've been to Home Depot and gone down the aisle where the screws are? I have no idea. 
So I was there about two months ago because I was working on some stuff for the side of the house. I was redoing the side of the house, putting new steps in, like the the old wooden steps, like uh, going down from the side of the house into the driveway were rotting. So I'm like, I need to replace all of that. And you go into the, the that aisle looking for for screws, and it's like, you know, obviously people who are craftspeople like they they know this, but to to the layperson, it's like. Yeah, there, there's a ton of different screws. There's drywall, right. drywall screws. There's interior screws. There's exterior screws. There's this length. There's this length. There, this at length. There's different bits. All of these different things. So, so yeah, like you, you need the right screw for the right job. Like That's if right. I'm, if I am, if I'm, if I'm putting drywall up in the house, I'm not going to go get, you know, just the wrong screw i'm gonna go get drywall screws like now granted i'll caveat this with how much of that is just branding to sell something but i i'm going to go well yeah there there is a level of that but that being said there's different screws for different purposes and it's amazing that like if you're not in that every day you go down that aisle it can be a bit intimidating it's like jesus what, what what screw do i need I'm just putting down some some simple steps here. No, it's a it's a great example, especially in the services realm, right? Because in the services realm, if every screw is the same, then you're you're not going to be creating very valuable things. And it's you know it's funny you bring this up because I, I I was thinking about this the other day. So uh, I, I I want to convince myself that I can be a guitar player. And I and I'm following a couple uh, guitar gurus on on YouTube, and it is so incredibly complicated. Like the different kinds of guitars, the different strings, the different pickups, the different amps, the different you know all these different things that have an impact on how you play and your style. Um, if 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 you were to go and hire a teacher, and 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 they're like, oh, like this is the one, this is the one, and we use it for everything. Like you're never going to become elite. Okay. Maybe you may be able to pick out a few chords, but you're never going to like truly be an elite player. And I think about that a lot in, in how we think about, about services. So yeah, there's lots of agencies like this is the model. This is, this is the model for everything, you know, Google tag manager, GA4, but that's the model for everything. How elite are you going to get if that is all that you're able to consider in an ecosystem that is incredibly complex? To your point that, you know, if if you're you're going down the Home Depot aisle looking at screws and it's like, not only is it going to impact your ability to be elite from a pure architecture perspective, using the wrong components, very likely to build something that isn't sustainable, right? It may go up, but because you use the wrong pieces and you were, you know, you weren't advised correctly because a lot, everything is is just the same, then um, it's it's going to come crumbling down. And again, it, we're kind of dancing around this thing of tools, not tools. It's the order that you put them in because if you put the tools first, if you put the screw first, if you put the guitar first, you're never gonna help. You're never gonna make the raw the right decision for for the long term of what you're trying to achieve. The best people in our industry that are making things that make a difference and that matter put those things later. They understand the problem. They understand the goal of what they're trying to do. And then they use their expertise to say, okay, you need this thing and this thing and this thing. You put them together and then it works. But again, 
Most people don't do that because they're so blinders on. This is the solution. Without completely like tearing this to death, we had this conversation, what was it, like five years ago, the Hell's Kitchen uh, company meeting? Yep. It's the difference between someone working at McDonald's on the line and someone running a high-end restaurant as an executive chef. You know, sure, you can, here's the ingredients, here's the process, follow it to a T. Okay, we're going to get predictability, it's safe. But in the end, you're going to get a McDonald's hamburger. You know, I guarantee you it's going to be completely different from something from a high-end restaurant where you have a chef that understands the ingredients, what they're trying to solve for, what they're trying to do, and is able to pull those things together. And it might be different from this person to this person to this day to that day. That's the value gap. Right. Yeah. And it, it's for employees. It's for, it's for consultants. That's the value gap. Like if you want to go back to your starting question, like what makes people successful in this, this role? I mean, yeah, we can talk about, and I, and I do love the conversation around thinking about systems and solving problems, but I love that we got to this point that the value gap is really between, am I someone that knows how to follow a recipe? That's good. That has value. Or am I someone that truly understands the entire system and how all these things work together and I can build something that's truly unique and value? There's a massive value gap between those two. So those people that are able to do things because they have an understanding of the system and have a desire to understand it are always going to be way more value than valuable than people that are good at following the step-by-step instructions. That is so true. And I wanted to sit there and pause and let that breathe for a minute um, because I think that's the perfect place to wrap up. Awesome. You know, so um, it, that, that was just so well said. Um, I've got nothing to, to add to it. And I think it does. It, it perfectly summarizes um, what is needed to, to succeed in this industry. Let's call it good. Get out of here, yep. everybody. <laughs> so we will wrap up at that point. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. And we will talk to everyone later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.